You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down. Or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart. And I'm Jared McKenna. And this is Inverse. We're excited to uh, have our really good friends, Nikisha, Elena, Alexis, with us. Um, And Jared and I know Nikisha for different reasons and in different spaces. I know Jared and Nikisha go way back, uh, at least a decade. Um, um, I got to meet, actually, I think first was online and then through some readings and then I think at AMBS and a couple other space, Mennonite spaces over time. And I've just been grateful for um, just who she is, the way that she also just brings together uh, black church, Mennonite, Anabaptist peace traditions together in really creative ways, something that Jared and I both really appreciated. So we're just delighted to have her here on Inverse Podcasts to be in conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Nakisha. Thank you both so much for having me. It's it's just such a joy to to be sitting with you all today and, and to be exploring these topics. I'm, I'm really glad you asked. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So we begin, um, as you know, we, we like to uh, explore people's story, but also um, to think about uh, engaging scripture and, and thinking about people's hermeneutics. And so before we begin anything else, we'd love for you just up front to read the passage that you have chosen that you believe has the potential to turn our world upside down. Sure. Okay. So I, I chose two, but I'm going to go with First Samuel 8 here. <laughs> Um, it's a little bit long, so I'll, I'll, I'll get my best reading voice, but try to make it a, a quick reading voice, too. Okay, so when Samuel yeah, became Nikisha, old... can I interrupt before mm-hmm. you even start? What, sure. What was your other passage? Oh, Because you, you know for... everybody's going to go, like, if she's chosen for <laughs> Samuel, what was the other one? <laughs> yeah, it's First uh, John 4. Oh, come on um, now. Well, can, can we get you back another day to do that? Yeah. Oh, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to. They're yeah. both pretty awesome texts. Yeah. Yes, please. Okay, I'll stop interrupting now and, and let you read. Uh, okay, here we go. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them, just as they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. 
He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we may also be like other nations and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and set a king over them. Samuel then said to the people of Israel, each of you return home. Mm. All right now, all right now. That's a text. Nikisha, when do you first remember encountering the Bible? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I was trying to think back about this question, um, and honestly, I feel like the Bible was so much always a part of my life or in the ether. I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, um, uh, started, started out Roman Catholic, and um, I don't think I knew that. It, it, yeah. Uh, in Trinidad, so mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. originally from yeah. Trinidad, and right. um, yeah, you know, I went to a Roman Catholic girls' school for, you know, the early years of my life, and I don't have a clear memory, I'm going to blame this on turning 40 this year, of, of um, the... Oh, holding the bible like I'm, i was trying to figure out like clear clear times when i was hearing scripture or holding the bible or that kind of thing um and really what it feels like is honest to say is like christian theology the bible in terms of the life of my family was just always there i i can count on it knowing that it was always there um in in the U.S., um, so came to the U.S. at the age of ten. Um, I remember being introduced to you know focus on the family like that wow. that style of yeah that style of Christianity. Um, so you know my 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 Brio Girls magazine, which never had or hardly ever had any people of color in it at all, which I wasn't conscious of at the age <laughs> as a small teenager. But, you know, that that a, a sort of white evangelical, um, which I didn't understand it to be that, uh, mm. of course, at that age, um, became the way of engaging scripture. Um, so, you know, I was a frequent church goer, you know, went to church 
in childhood, um, certainly heard the scriptures in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, heard and encountered scripture, you know, through uh, a evangelical kind of focus on the family lens. Um, and really the, the, I have a clear memory of uh, being a part of a black church as well. So I was doing, I was doing all sorts of stuff. Like <laughs> I was alternating between a Roman Catholic church and also attending a non-denominational black church by the time I was in my teenage years. Um, uh, and so I have a very clear memory in, in that black church space of uh, my uncle-in-law was a pastor and um, it was that was a Sunday. There was a, a prophet or something like that in the space. Um, uh, Non-denominational black church life was new to me, of course, coming from a very kind of stoic form of Roman Catholic worship. Mm. And um, you know, though though it was a prophetess, and she picked me out of the all of the people who were in the church, and you know, she spoke the words over my life. You know you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I was one of those, you know, as I think a lot of us were, you know, teenagers going through our angsty things and, and feeling very, I had, I, it probably didn't show to a lot of people, but I, I had fairly low self-esteem. Um, and it was, it was pretty profound to have someone feel like they knew that without knowing me and then had to impart this word of scripture to me. Um, that, that, was, that was a pretty amazing kind of encounter. So that, wow. that, that was one of the things that kind of came to mind. Um, and certainly scripture in, in my 20s, which is you know, where this first Samuel 8 kind of came up, uh, I have very clear and distinct memories of a shift in, mm. in, in the way of of thinking about what the Bible was doing and what the Bible was saying. Um, and that's, that's, that's going to be what happens when you run into an, an anarchist that became Christian, that became Mennonite, that you start reading the Bible with. And they point out <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount, and you're like, well, who put that there? I mean, I really remember reading the Sermon on the Mount for the first time. Yeah, in my, my Bible. 20s. I know, it was like, ah! Um, yeah, so I would say those are two pivotal moments that I can remember, um, kind of being seen with spiritual eyes and, and, and having scripture given to me uh, as a teenager in, in a tough place internally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then in my 20s, sort of going down the path that I, that I have and still am in terms of the way that I, I interpret scripture and social and political, political things. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So as you think about your story then and this journey, I mean, you clearly already in some ways as you narrated your story, you, you, you show that there's some shifts that take place. Um, so how would you describe, you know, before like, and I know sometimes it's overly superficial or too simplistic, but like, do you, do you see like um, certain ways of how you were encountering and being presented the Bible as being oppressive, upholding the status quo um, at points, what, what was liberative and how do, how do you see those shifts kind of unfolding as you go through your life? Yeah, 
And I think one of the big ones, as I'm, as I'm reflecting on it, was a move from God being and, and Christian faith being highly personal. That what was, what was really necessary was for my personal salvation. And a sense that this world was a kind of a, a proving ground in order to be able to get to heaven. Um, and, and what mattered most was what my relationship to God was, which, um, you know, I struggle with is not the right, right word. Um, uh, I remember having moments as a, as a teenager, I don't know, and probably I have encountered several evangelical people who have run into this, but um, I used to listen to hard rock music as, as a young person. And so my Allison Chain tapes like, tearing out all the tape like because I couldn't just give it away to somebody you know the devil's music I had to I had to get rid of that thing and put it in the trash right. <laughs> you know what I mean like the, those sorts of moments like I I can't listen to Tool anymore you know just like ah the angst of sin um and so and so having having those kinds of wrestlings and then um and similarly, or at the same time, I should say, I was tremendously blessed to be a part of a public education system in, in New York City. So from Trinidad, ended up in Manhattan um, with my family that uh, exposed me to, to the social world. Um, mm. You know, you're not going to be in New York City and not be encountering people of different racial backgrounds. I mean, you can. Uh, there, you could certainly be cloistered, but the kind, the life that I had, um, you know, there was a homeless guy downstairs in front of my building routinely and, and struggling with, do I give him money or not give him money? Like, you know, those, those kinds of things um, from an ethical perspective, from a, from a Christian perspective, what did it mean to help other people? Um, certainly by the time I, became a high schooler. I, I went to uh, uh, a uh, school for gifted education in middle school and in high school. Uh, and even my like elementary school, we were doing crazy stuff. We, you know, we were doing Greece as the school play in the fifth grade. <laughs> you know, West Side Story is the school play in the sixth grade. Like what is, I look back at that and I'm like, I don't even know how these people kept their jobs. Like who was doing Greece as an 11 year old? <laughs> that, that, that sounds uh, like my school. This is starting to sound like Australia. <laughs> I, I remember a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show by the year above me when I was in primary school. So like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't relate I to the I think I was a tapes, tree. I, I was like a that. tree at that time. <laughs> so I had a very different experience, you know, just like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And so by the time I, I give all credit to my uh, history teacher, I think in the ninth or 10th grade, he was also my choir teacher, um, Lemuel MC, MC Carroll Martinez, Mar Lemuel Martinez Carroll, and we used to call him MC. He had us reading a people's history of the United States oh, in either the ninth or the 10th grade. By That's Howard amazing. Wow. That's incredible. And this is 
Yeah, and this is what was extra brilliant about him. He had us read it alongside the state textbook. Huh. Mm. Wow. So That's we brilliant. were already yeah. learning, yeah, at a very how early to age to see how yeah. to read, to be thinking critically about what was going on. Um, and I didn't think you could buy that book from anywhere else in the world because he was very specific. He had us go to Revolution Books on 19th Street and 3rd <laughs> Avenue. And that was the place where we were supposed to get it. So you walk into the store and the whole thing is red and it's like, what is going on? Um, and when the guy ringing up the book says, wow, this book is banned in my daughter's school. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you're... <laughs> So wow. we're like, what are we doing here, MC? Um, so yeah, I mean, how these things relate to each other is that for a long time, as my political and social justice side uh, and interest in issues of race and, and oppression, and certainly Black people's um, social location within the US, um, that was developing. And I had this very personalized idea of faith for a long time, it, it felt like, it, somewhat in hindsight, but that these things were operating on, on two tracks. Like, mm. I didn't know what my faith meant to this other side, and I didn't know what this other side meant for my faith. And so it, was, it wasn't starting to encounter <laughs> texts like the Sermon on the Mount. It was like, why has, I, I remember thinking, has anybody preached on this? Have I heard this before? Wow. Um, certainly starting to, to be introduced to Mennonite theology. It's like, what? Somebody's writing a book about how, you know, pacifism is, is useful in the world, right? Like, not only useful, but works. Um, I, I was the, the person on the Hard Rock Christian website, you know, once I got rid of Alice in Chains and tools, I, <laughs> tool, I found my way to POD and Blindside and sort of all of these, these Christian. I know, I love it. Um, and yeah. Uh, um, and what were you writing on the, the website? Huh? What yeah, so I was the... on the forum, right? Yeah. yeah, so I'm like on the POD forum. And I, I'm a little left, I'm like, I'm not all the way left. And I'm suggesting that maybe we don't all need guns, like gun control might be a good idea. Um, and folks are like, what? <laughs> you know, so the place that was supposed to be my Christian space didn't fit this kind of evolving political space. And so it, it really wasn't until I think it's true to say it really wasn't until um, I came to Mennonite theology that those things began to make sense together. Yeah. yeah. Um, even in a black church space where, yeah. where um, there were, of course, other things happening, particularly around race. Um, the difference between being in in a in worshiping within a community of color, like and a black church, particularly, even in those spaces, there were there were sometimes different ways of of thinking through the political and what right. our role was or wasn't in engaging the political. Right. Um, so that that space might have been freeing in one dimension, um, 
but also wasn't helping me think through what it means to be a Christian as a political actor. Yeah. You know, mm. what, what am I supposed to do about war? What, right. what am I supposed to do about um, <coughs> some of these other, these other questions? And I resonate yeah, with that. Mm -hmm. I really resonate that because it's interesting. I always tell people I never uh, identified as Anabaptist till I moved back to Philly, was at my home church as an assistant pastor in black church spaces. All of, and then I started calling myself an Anabaptist, right? Um, it was in that because I had to like make sense of what I was experiencing and wanted to give language to it in a way that when I was assistant associate pastor at, you know, Anabaptist church for four years, I'm not an Anabaptist. I'm not one of you guys, you know, like, but, but it made more, like I realized I needed to name that aspect of me in the black church space that I was a part of mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. fill out, right. All of who I was. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Acacia, as you're talking, um, and, uh, um, um, so Kat, my gorgeous other, um, asked who, why was I leaving dinner tonight? Um, uh, to, to go home early and I was like, oh, interviewing a friend, Nikisha, and Kat was like, um, what's her deal? And I described you as an Anabaptist womanist scholar. Is that a term, uh, are those signifiers significant for you in articulating um, your vision and your work? Yeah, you know, the, the catchphrase that, I'm, that I have, or the catch word I feel like I have for myself right now is a liberationist. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I am still a part of a Mennonite seminary. I graduated, uh, got my master's degree in theo theology and ethics from Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminaries, and I still work there. Uh, I still hold Anabaptist ethics and, and ways of thinking about the world. And in some ways I, I would say extended uh, because I also do animal work and mm. Anabaptist and Anabaptist theology doesn't always go as far as, as I would hope to in terms of its creation care ethics. Mm. So there's a way in which Anabaptism is still a, my core theological place. Um, and I also haven't been a part of a Mennonite church for, for years. Um, I, I started attending um, St. James AME Church, African sure. Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, uh, and I've actually worshipped there. Ah, uh, yes, you have. Yes, I, I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, we worship have. there together. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, and you met my pastor at the time. Uh, yes, I did. Reverend Tinsley, fantastic uh -huh. woman. Um, and now I'm in a, another non-denominational black church space. Um, and so haven't really worshiped with, I haven't called uh, Mennonite Church my primary home probably since moving from New York City. Like my ex-husband and I, we, we found many places of worship, but I don't think we became members anywhere. Mm. Um, so, you know, the Black womanism shapes my, has shaped my thinking, um, Anabaptism has shaped my thinking, and not just thinking my being and doing and, and feeling in the world. Um, animal ethics does too. So I, uh, my Roman Catholic background, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, of course, is a foundation. Like if I see myself as the sum of the parts that have, that have played a deep role in making me who I am, I'm, I'm a hodgepodge of things. Yeah. And so liberationist is like 
the word I've started to use to, to encapsulate all of that. Yeah, and I, I ask in part, um, a, a, because we don't want to introduce you wrong, but B, um, yeah, sure. uh, we have this conviction that um, people's own journey, like their own story, has a gift um, that comes with it, that um, uh, people's perspectives uh, bring a context which um, uh, draws out particular readings and experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that we like to ask our guests is um, if you were to uh, to name a, a gift that comes along with your particular experience that is liberating for others, how, how would you articulate that? Like, what do you wish others knew about your experience when you hear them um, uh, talk about faith and you're like, if only you had seen or experienced or known or how do you put those things together? Yeah. I want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding the, the question too, because this one felt a little bit tricky. Like, mm. is it, is it a gift? Yeah. Is it, is it gift in terms of, so I want to interpret it as advice. Like, <laughs> you know, these were, the, these were the things that were really important for me. And like, I, I, I wish this for other people, or is it more of, um, something that I wish people knew about me, like if they could see and interpret me in some way. I don't, I want to make sure that I'm understanding it right. Oh, I would love <laughs> to hear. Or if you give me I an know. example. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I'm... give me an example. Let me, let me, you answer the question. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, think, I think you're the first person to ever, well, um, uh, let me bounce off in terms of uh, my, um, my experience on um, Wajuk Noongar Buja or, or Noongar land in English, um, uh, my experience of the ocean growing up, um, uh, my experience of uh, how Australia relates to um, uh, religion is very different from, so you're, what you're talking about destroying your tool albums or whatever, um, my experience um, uh, that has much more a relaxed way of relating to larger culture. Um, my mate, Matt Graziani, in year 10, um, was like, have you ever heard POD? And I was like, no. Nah. And he's like, you like it because it's like Rage Against the Machine. And Maddie and I, we, we loved Rage. And he's like, it's like Rage Against the Machine, but they talk about Jesus like you do all the time. And um, so that was my introduction. Um, and I guess some of the gift of that is I... Uh, I don't have a relationship with the arts and um, uh, uh, creative expression and the rest uh, that is so iconoclastic, like so many Americans that have been formed by Puritan culture. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I, um, sometimes I wish <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for my friends um, just south of Canada and north of Mexico um, to have a little bit more a, a relaxed kind of take on, on those kind of things. Um, so is that an example of a, a gift from my experience that, um, mm -hmm. that kind of informs others? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm going to make Drew answer the question too. Well, not make, mm. I will respect 
somebody ask if you want to answer the question too. I'm an anarchist, so yeah, I that, can't make anybody do anything. I was anything. just about to say, that, that's how I an anarchist makes you. somebody. That's right. I can invite you into a new way of being by answering the question. All right, so you're going to play uh, interviewer now. Um, let me see. I mean, I think that one of the things which maybe connects, I'm just what immediately came to mind is, as you were telling your story, I'm thinking about, I often describe just the different streams and traditions that have shaped me. Um, and so kind of stumbling across Anabaptism as an adult um, and but being deeply rooted in black church traditions um, and community. And then out of that kind of hobbling back and forth um, um, in those different spaces and kind of often most of my life has been had both feet in both worlds simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And so that has deeply shaped my own understanding of faith and put them in a kind of creative dialogue, critical dialogue, I guess you could say. And I think that that off, like I often, like I remember when I was in seminary um, at Lutheran seminary of all places, and I was a troublemaker because, you know, being like a <laughs> reformation class, this guy who like, you know, teaching uh, reformation, but it's really like Luther, right? Like that's the whole <laughs> class is Luther. Um, but like, I have like a double critique on like everything because all mm -hmm. I can hear is both traditions, like yelling in my ears all the time. So like that, and so I was always bringing that to the table um, and kind of giving a counter perspective that I think was helpful to, you know, that was deeply shaped again from black prophetic traditions, black church broadly even be bigger than that, but also kind of radical reformation takes that kind of question Christendom rights in ways that I think maybe some of the more supposedly magisterial traditions, though that's not always the case anymore these days, but, mm -hmm. um, but certainly not everyone takes for granted those kind of critiques and sees it from that lens. So that's certainly something that I think I often share with folks, whether I'm doing it consciously or unconsciously, that's just kind of a part of my being, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so that's, that's super helpful. I think, uh, and it, yeah, it's just good to hear other people's, other people's stories too, while, and how they overlap and, and, and dance similarly or differently to, to what I'm sharing. Nikesha, um, I, I feel bad that Drew gave such a profound answer and I just talked about <laughs> what music I was listening to at 15. That's okay. Oh, POD, man. I, yeah, I, my whole life was shaped by them for, for a good while. I, I was, I, I have a story for another podcast of ending up on Total Request Live, the MTV show, while POD was there, because I showed up with a giant handmade sign way early before the show started taping, and they were like, that's a fan. <laughs> that's a fan. <laughs> like, like, she, we got to bring her upstairs, and, you know, they were expecting screamy teenager, like, oh my God, but I had already met them at different shows. So it's more like, hey, funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> how you been? Yeah, it's good to see you again, you know? Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I think what I'll, what I'll name, the things that came to mind that I'll name in this moment um, is that it, really, it matters who you read the Bible with. Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah. that that yeah. kind of really pivotal moment of of you know encountering this this again this person who was anarchist and um first and then you know accepted christ personally and then kind of shifted into an anabaptist space right um yeah. 
uh, it, the scriptures that were, that were prominent for him um, were not ones that were prominent for me. And it really did mm. feel like we were reading from a different Bible, like to be, you right. know, memorizing the Sermon on the Mount together um, right. and being like, literally, who put this here? <laughs> and so it's it's it, it's not um, it's not that different people from different perspectives will add stuff to the Bible. You know, I think that that's the fear. Like we don't we don't want to read with others. It's it feels safer to read with people who we uh, who who are predictable in their reading because it doesn't challenge our reading, um, and that feels safe. But but really like different people can help you just see different parts of the Bible. It's not, we're not adding stuff in. We're not like um, making it do things that it wasn't supposed to do. Like first Samuel eight is first Samuel eight. Like it's a story about people in a space of really desperate conditions. They're being yeah. abused. And the solution they choose is one that is idolatry. Yeah. And multiply oppressive. Yeah, uh, and relates so much to the way in which uh, so much of mainstream American Christianity interprets how it needs to be in the world, right? Like mm. the origins matter. So we we want to talk about Solomon, and we want to talk about David, and you know we want to herald like, of course, the God, God blesses government, and we miss this passage that is like, mm. <laughs> no. Uh, what's happening here is God saying like, you're rejecting me. That's strong. Yeah. That's strong language. Uh, and, and I, I don't know that I heard a sermon about first Samuel eight before I read first Samuel eight. Mm -hmm. And that, that came out of encountering people with, particularly my ex-husband, but then also uh, running into other Christians who, were left and they are of left, um, anarchists of left, who were also trying to, to hold the Bible, um, sometimes with strong reverence and sometimes it's just a, a text that, you know, is part of the tradition, like people were coming to the Bible with, with different relationships to the Bible, but that stuff is in there. Um, and so it matters who we're reading the text with. And, mm -hmm. and that's akin to, to to all of the journeys that I've made in through different denominations that that highlight different different things. So I don't I don't score and I don't reject. I don't any any part of my uh, any part of my faith journey. Um, mm. I think too a couple of things and these feel more like tips, um, but they're also related to my story in terms of going to seminary. I I. I'll say this, this might come out as, as blasphemy here, but I think one of the biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest problems that developed was people thinking that everybody can pick up the Bible and just read it and know what it says. Sure. <laughs> um, <gasps> you know, gasp. Um, right, like on one level, it's, it's the printing press is freeing in that it gives access, but it's also a, tech, a technique, it's technological that, that doesn't really put into play that the context matters. Simply mm -hmm. because I can understand what the words say, 
doesn't mean that I understand what's going on in the Bible. Um, And we're reading it in English, sometimes in three different translations or four or five. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, seminary was an important part of my journey to to be in a place of, of, and I I went to seminary by accident. You know, I was was out in Elkhart, Indiana, and I was bored. I mean, I moved from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I needed to bide my time. Like, it, what am I going to do in Elkhart? Right? <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, my, my ex-husband came to study here and I, I needed to fill space and started taking a class and then enrolled as a student. I'm like, well, I might as well get my master's too. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like being being in a place of study um uh i i I do have low level regret that i didn't do greek and hebrew but i feel like i would have an aptitude for those languages and so 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 didn't take them on but i'm amazed by the people who who did and what they what they can get out of the text just by Mm. by having a closer relationship to what it's saying um so I don't want to be elitist about this. I don't. Uh, I know that not everybody can go to seminary. It is an investment of time. Um, it is an investment of finances. It 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 requires certain levels of access. It's classes in 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 different ways, and at the same time, I think that people from who have seminary background can do a better job of what they do in church. Like Sunday school should not be what it is, for as many of the churches as it is. Mm. When you have people who are equipped with particular tools um, to be able to read, read scripture and, and take and, and, and provide background or, or equip people with the skills to read better. Um, so, you know, it matters, it matters who you read with. I think yeah. it matters. Um, it, people, I think, need to be have a sense of humility about encountering the text without particular kinds of tools um, and 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 be and people who have the tools need to be I think bolder and more engaged about disseminating it in in multiple places so yeah I mean I think I think those are those are a couple of the things that I'll say for now yeah that's brilliant so, and you kind of, as you were talking, kind of pretty much took us right to the door of First Samuel 8. So mm-hmm. can you just, uh, uh, let, let's dwell in this text together and um, kind of walk us through, and we can have a dialogue around its significance. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad to do that. Yeah. I mean, are, do you have particular questions or should I just highlight what uh, was this written or? with Trump in mind or is that just coincidental? You are so silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, that, that would be if you were sort of a, a Democrat, I guess. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's all compromised. And we're we're sort of running into that this problem now in the in the U.S. with with the choices that the choices that are before us. Um, you know, when you have a field of I for, I don't even know how many people ended up throwing their hat in the presidential ring on on the Democrat side. Like it, the landscape just got to be 
ballooned and like everybody showed up and you still end up with what we have as as the the forerunner um it reveals some some real things about the system mm. um and these systems that you know it's it's not not i think it's it's uniquely america has a unique engagement with the problem because christianity is still so woven into its narrative of itself mm-hmm. um and you know i've i've met christians who are anarchists in sweden who are trying to figure out like how do we how do we do this here when things are so much better um mm-hmm. but you still have people who are refugees being treated in a particular way you still have people yeah. who are people of color being treated in a particular way um so you know i think I feel like this text at the very least helps us to be suspicious as people hmm. of faith in how we relate to these other systems and understanding that it's not without complexity and it's not without um the deeper we go or the farther along we we go on that track or the more that we put our hopes or our expectations in particular places it's not neutral hmm. i'll say it that way mm-hmm. it's it's not neutral yeah so nikisha um uh, as you were describing actually as you were talking about um uh your catholic background i found myself thinking about um uh, African American, uh, uh, African Methodist Episcopal churches generally, and how there is a, um, a deep sense of, uh, liturgy that those of us who have been formed, um, in Catholic circles actually find, uh, is somewhat of a, a homecoming. And I was thinking of, um, uh, my dad's pushback, um, as you were talking, uh, about, um, what you called the blasphemy of maybe not everybody should be inter- interpreting the scriptures. Because uh, <laughs> m- my dad, who uh, a-, a lifetime ago before uh, I was here, was a monk in a Catholic order. Um, he says uh, Protestants criticize Catholics for a pope. Um, Catholics pushback is, well, for you Protestants, everybody's their own pope. And uh, mm. the danger. Of- and so my, my dad has always had this like. Um, helpful running critique of uh, what I'm on about in the most loving, um, uh, caring kind of way. But part of that critique is my dad was a union organiser. And mm. my dad took to my early 20s anarchism with a, a wry smile. And so when I came <laughs> to my dad and said, um, Dad, uh, we're, we're starting a Christian commune and we're going to take a vow of voluntary poverty. And my dad's response was, Jared, if it's voluntary, it's not poverty. <laughs> um, Oops. And, and with, with this kind of uh, question of how we read First uh, Samuel 8 and um, my cheap joke about um, you, the current leader of um, the nation in which you both <laughs> preside, um, uh, w- one of the pushbacks that my dad uh, always had against um, uh, the anarchism uh of my early twenties was that uh, I didn't appreciate everything that had been fought for um, uh, by a larger leftist movement um, that actually guaranteed working rights, weekend, 
um, uh, universalized healthcare, these things in Australia that we now take for granted that um, some of those things aren't realities in America. Um, as we read this text and uh, you were talking about who we read with will often determine um, where, where we arrive. I'm very aware that anarchist circles in the US uh, often um, uh, people look as melanin challenged as I do. And what does that, <laughs> what does that do to the kind of reading of these texts with that kind of anarchism in mind? And uh, what does that do for people hurting because they don't have the options maybe of just opting out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, and here's where I think um, who you read the text with mattering also doesn't just translate to the way that you uh, deal with the text that translates at least has translated for me in the way that I try to to move in the world around the text. Yes. So for I, I'm in a really interesting kind of tra trajectory at this point where the first time that I voted in a president presidential election and you know, I'll just as a side, I thought um, <laughs> with your dad's joke, uh, Catholics have the Pope, and you all have, and you all are your own Pope. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go. Catholics have a Pope, and you all have presidents. It doesn't matter which one is in there. You know, it's yeah. like people are gonna sort of toe to, to the line or be angry until they have the next time to choose their their next Pope. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it being kind of, not kind of, uh, being one of the co-founders of uh, a Christian and a Christian and anarchist space. So Christian anarchist to me, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't link that. There are, there are differences that I think are important. Yes. So, um, uh, and being a black woman is part of it, and being a black woman who came to anarchism through the through the Bible, the yeah. way that we were engaging the Bible. I don't, I haven't read Murray Bookchin. You know, I'm going to just put it out there. I haven't Peter Kropotkin. Kropotkin, that's right. I mean, so sometimes I feel a little bit, a little low-level shame. Like I don't, you know, I read Jacques Ellul. Uh -huh. I'm reading First Samuel eight. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm Peter Moore and Dorothy Day. Yeah. yeah, I'm encountering <laughs> people who know Leo Tolstoy, right? Like, so there's yeah. a whole other tradition of anarchists who do embrace God as as real and true, and and that's the stream that I come out of. So, you know, I I, I hold the two in in tandem, and I don't try to like um, morph them because mm. there there are different streams, and I think it's important to recognize that. Um, right, like so, to be a black woman coordinating Jesus radicals, and those are often mostly white spaces. Like, ju just because I'm the head of it, you know, uh, the head of it, quote unquote, or leading or organizing that collective, it doesn't mean that the 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 space automatically changes. So, you know, it's 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 inter interesting from a racial perspective. Yeah. Even. Um, that you know could take us down another another rabbit hole, um, but the politics are true to me, and so mm. going to an AME church 
where on Sundays, you know, uh, during election time, people are making announcements about the NAACP and um, uh, needing, registering people to vote. And there are political people who are coming and taking up our precious worship time. You know, I've never seen them before. They're generally white. They're doing their five minute drive by drop off at every black church that they can find, right? Like and being so irritated with all that. Um, <laughs> but I also didn't tell people in that space what they should or shouldn't do around issues of voting or around, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was very deliberate and in some ways discreet. And some people might see that as a problem. Um, I, I saw it as understanding that I'm an immigrant, um, that the black story in my country is different from the black story here. Sure. And that uh, trying to have respect for that, for that dynamic for the people who are here, even though I, I was critical of the, of, of the ways that it showed up. Um, now, oddly enough, that's a that's a good thing because I did end up, you know, and it's going to be another gasp moment for some people. But I I did end up this last year assisting with the mayoral campaign in my town, um, and you know how this now relates. you're committing anarchist blasphemy. I know. I'm t I'm just I'm all over the place. I'm a real anarchist. I'm offending everybody. You know, it's like I'm I'm gonna be about it. You know, I'm autonomous to the twelfth degree. <laughs> um, not really, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so having, having gone from, I voted in Bush versus Gore, um, that was the first time I voted uh, for a human, and the next time I voted for a human was uh, this mayoral campaign. I, you know, I didn't vote for Obama, I didn't, do, you know, I didn't do any of those things. Um, and really, really, really wrestled with that. So in in some ways, it was good that I wasn't running around being like, hey, you a sinner and you're an idolater or no, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Um, because in this limited moment, and it is a limited moment, like I'm, I'm really wrestling with what to do in November. Um, mm -hmm. I voted in the primaries, really to be petty, I voted for Bernie in the primaries. <laughs> Um, I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be anarchist petty up in this space. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Like, so, so, you know, all, all to say, I think, um, yeah, uh, who you read the, the text with, I think should shape in some ways though. I don't want to say the way that you move, but it, 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 it can help you. I think have a more complex way of, of dealing with the challenges that are rising right before you. And, and my, my, my first Samuel A reading of the state and of government and Christian relationship to these things hasn't changed because I participated in this campaign. I mean, if, if anything, there are ways in which it's complicated my narrative around what is possible. I'm extraordinarily grateful that the person who is the mayor of my town is the mayor in this pandemic. Like yeah. it would be a completely different story if there was That's someone right. else in charge and that would be devastating. 
So, you know, I, I don't think I can be as much on the, it doesn't matter who you put in there, you know, bandwagon, at least on a certain level, on the local level that I was before. And at the same time, like elections take, they steal energy. I'll say they don't just take, they steal energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they can withdraw imagination, right? Like that we have this sort of setup of, well, okay, I'll just take my ball and go home until the next time I get to do something about something. It can be prevalent, you know? I, I'm like, why aren't we ungovernable right now? There are, there are so many of us in the U.S. who are frustrated with what's going on. What would it mean? Do we have an imagination for how we would withdraw consent? Is that even a thing? You know, we're sort of all putting our, our, our hope in this November basket. And I don't know if people are prepared for what's, what might happen if we get four more years of what we have. Like, what are you prepared to do uh, from a place of faithfulness? Mm-hmm. From a yeah. place of understanding that what we're seeing is not antithetical to the system. It's built in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it shows up in various forms. And it shows up in, in sometimes more tolerable forms and more than more tolerable forms. Like it, it matters that here power changes hands and civil war doesn't break out every time. Right. Like I, I, I have appreciation for that part because I read the Bible with mm-hmm. people from other countries where that's real. That's so right. I'm, you yeah. know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be dismissive of that. And at the same time, the stuff that's in first Samuel eight is, is, is prevalent. It's, it's around, it's a part of the system. And we can't be, we can't be silly about that. You know, mm. we can't be, we can't be naive about that. We can't think that if we put a Christian face on it, this is the Christian face that's on right. it. This is, <laughs> that's what it's about. You know, right. it's like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And stuff, it's like, this, this is the God's helping to appoint the person. Like this should be the thing. And God said, nah, fam, there's, there's problems <laughs> baked in, baked into the bread here. The, the yeast is going to rise um, regardless. So yeah. yeah, hopefully that is coherent and makes, and makes sense to the people who are listening. Oh, my favorite bit was your your translation of the text at the end there. Nah, fam. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I really, um, and I think I told you this, Nikisha, but I, um, you're in my new book. Um, oh, I, you did in, not. Okay. I didn't tell you that. I thought I did tell you no. when I saw you. Um, oh, well, because okay, okay. I have a section that is looking and wrestling, with, and I don't tell people what to do but I, I want to complexify mm-hmm. how we think about electoral politics. Mm-hmm. And so your voice yeah. was in my head. Um, and so you and Carol Anderson, right? Two black women just kind of complexifying the whole thing, right? For folks instead, mm-hmm. I, hopefully how we enter in, hopefully it'll nuance for everyone, how we see and interpret our moments. Um, mm-hmm. I am someone who like, I do vote, right? So it's um, like, that's, but I do like, I really value like your angle on just, the system and the problems and the ways that it really does restrict so often our imagination for how we can act now, how we can be faithful now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so putting all our hope in the system and not finding the other channels of opportunities that we have on the ground all the time, 24 Mm seven, right? 365 Mm -hmm. days out of the year is really meaningful. And so um, I'm hoping that uh, your voice will, um, well, for some that, you know, 
choose not to and want to be faithful in other ways, that certainly that's an option. But also just to complexify, and I think hopefully it'll open up the restricted imagine, political imagination that we often have in the church. Um, because it is, it's very restricted and too often we can only think through the formal channels that are given to us, right? Um, mm -hmm. And not all the other ways and opportunities that we have on the grounds to act politically in the world in ways that are, I would believe, I think are congruent with the way of Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and more so. I mean, if you want to think about, think about it on, in terms of a scale, like the way the scale really is framed is voting is the most faithful. Right, right, which is problematic. Um, That's the right. focus. You know, right. it's the most faithful. Like somehow I, I wasn't doing my Christian duty because I didn't vote for Obama or whoever came before or whatever, you know. Um, uh, did I vote for Bill Clinton? I might, I might have to retract that statement. I can't even remember. Um, but, but, um, no, really? no pressure to call yourself out on our podcast. That's not necessary. <laughs> oh, let's show you by listening. I have a lot of I'm respect a, for confession, I'm but you don't have to do it telling. here. Okay, well, thank you. You know, I, I folks, get, folks coming up with folks' receipts these days. You know, I want to be, if, if I make a mistake, I want to be a picture mistake. picture of you going into the mistake. booth, right? <laughs> uh, you know, but it's, it, right, and so that that's the most, faith, most faithful, whereas for me, like this, this choice, particularly around not just voting, but actually, you know, using my skill set to support mm -hmm. a candidate. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, it, it was like, okay, this is the call that I need to make in this, in this season um, for these reasons. And it's compromised. Um, and, and this text is in the back of my head and my, my politics are in the back of my head. And, and you know, I, I did another interview with Sojourners and I said, you know, and I don't plan to make it a habit. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what it is in terms of formation. It's how we're really formed to, to not understand what it is that we're, what, what it is that we're doing. Um, and one of the books that, that is still is very influential for me um, you know, I, I have a chap, chapter in a book called Electing Not to Vote. So this yes. is part right. of the that's, that's what I draw from. That's what I'm quoting. Uh, yeah, in the book is from yeah. That, that chapter. Uh, yeah. And I and you know I I I hold to the things that are there, and 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 certainly participating in it helped to clarify in some ways some of that thinking. Um, uh, but I, it's sort of like it ought to be a question: Will I this time? not you know what will i participate this time what is the way that i will participate in this time for a while i thought okay maybe i'll help with the candidacy but i won't actually vote for for the human you know i was trying to it, it ought to be we ought to engage it critically every time yeah and i think it's perfectly valid if once you ask the question i don't want to participate because of these reasons is 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 back is valid as a faithful choice, and that's and that's not the way that the narrative um, flows here. You know, um, people want to point to you know again origins matter. People want to point to all the government that's taking place in the Bible without like understanding where it, where it, the the root of what it's coming out of um, the sense of desperation around trying yeah. to make that call, and I yeah. 
I think we, we ought to engage these things and the state very critically. It is not yes. the end game. That's, uh, that's, that might be the simplest way of saying it. It's not the end game. Mm. And Nikesha, I really appreciated how um, I've never heard an anarchist with so much compassion talk about the realities in which they were looking for a king. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, when I've heard mm -hmm. this text referred to, I really appreciated that empathetically and imaginatively you entered into um, where the idolatry comes from. And I think if mm -hmm. we get at that, where the needs uh, actually are, um, it's a lot easier to name our own idols and our own um, Egypt imitation kind of games um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. desiring to, to be like um, the nations. Um, and yet, and I'm aware we've got five minutes as, as we do this because you're about to be picked up. So we're going to have to go around to sometime. But I, I'm also aware that um, thinkers like um, Vandana Shiva has been very important to me and her talk of earth democracy and what is it to deepen democratic um, processes or even Dr. King's insistence that um, the democratic revolution uh, must be continued um, uh, mm. from my part of the world listening to Americans have these conversations. I'm always aware when they talk about democracy that they're kind of like the family on the street who got one of the first computers. And it's like, you've got an Atari 64 that you plug into the TV and you're still so proud that, hey, we got one of the first computers on the street. And it's like, yeah, but it's time to update your, like, I think it's only in Maine that you've got like um, preferential voting. Everywhere else you're stuck with this two party system that's not mm. how the rest of like a lot of our democracies work and the rest of our democracies need to be pushed in a direction um, which actually hands power back to the people. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, w with, with five minutes left, um, <laughs> a as, as you read these texts and um, thinking outside of your particular um, context, the, the question of Bernie um, both my dad named Bernie and Bernie Sanders um, and for both of them this vision of socialism um, uh, uh, that is what can grace look like um, if it was uh, a policy for systems um, mm -hmm. where do you say amen and where do you have to hold your amen when in conversation with our socialist sisters and brothers Oh man, wow, that, that's bigger than I can. Yeah, than I can. Five minutes, go. Five minutes. Um, you know, I think, yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll move in a little bit of a different direction to just to, to close it, but hopefully it, it still alludes to kind of what you're saying is that um, with the Atari analogy, it's so, it's so, um, Fit it. it. This is not the best that we can do. <laughs> I think that, you know, and God help us if we think that it is, you know what I mean? Right. And, and that's, that, that I think is where um, anarchists, but also Christian, Christian imagination and Christian yeah. texts are so helpful. Like yeah. the church is doing crazy stuff in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's outlandish. You're hanging out with who and doing what with where and the Holy Spirit is doing what and all the people are coming. I mean, it's it's creating a social <laughs> And you space gave your money to who? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what I'm it's like 
it, the the first con conversation over there is with an Ethiopian. Like we're mm -hmm. not reading the text, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's revolutionary stuff. Yeah, yeah. and that so where kind of the anarchist imagination and the Christian imagination dovetail for me is in that like friends this is not the best that we can do mm. um there are alternatives yet to be built there is imagination that we can have i, I think what's going on in this george floyd moment in this mm -hmm. pandemic moment is a part of that you are seeing people raise up who have not raised up before you are seeing people create systems of support for one another um, and mass. Like they didn't go to the anarchist tutorial on mutual aid. Like, you know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't go to the, to the Sunday school on um, labor organizing, right? Yeah. Like there's stuff that is happening right now that really, I think helps us understand our limit is bigger than we than we think it is and um you know to 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 go back to the text i think some of what's then this is a little bit of, of interpretation on the fly like pressure urgency real pain and real suffering can mm -hmm. sometimes cause us to make choices out of those places instead of what is bigger than this Right, like so the system of judges isn't working and we look around and kings seem to be where it's at and that's where we go, you know, and, and, and you know, the invitation here is like, but there's also the path of more faithfulness. Um, the problem is, is these folks aren't doing what they're supposed to, you know, God brings in worship, like, you know, you're not even worshiping, your whole system of worship is where you put in your faith doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that is what is exciting about this time that's going on right now. Like if you can be excited, like people are having conversations on TV about defunding the police. Yeah. You, YouTube yeah. is throwing around these like videos about if you want to learn more about systemic racism, I'm like, you too? <laughs> <laughs> you know we're like we're we're throwing around decolonization on the news i mean like it there's yeah, it, it's there's a moment hype. it is yeah. and we we're we're gonna get there's there's an opportunity to make choices here it's desperate times and what how do we want to resolve them yeah. by choosing the same kind of broken systems that other people are doing because we we want to be like other other people and we here you know being people of faith or being people being christian folks being radical christians being being um social justice people like is that where we want to go or do we want to start opening up other alternatives i mean i think this is something that the text helps us see is that there there are moments when it didn't have to go this way. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to end up with the Book of Kings, first one and two, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it yeah, didn't yeah. have to go that way. Um, so yeah, like that's. I think that's that's my invitation is to to really dream with 
with God about um, what we can be doing and, and can scripture help us uncover the places that might give us other tools or other dreams about who we can be in society as church, but also as the way we, rel we relate to people who are not people of faith, mm. of Christian faith. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'll say. That's a great article. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Somebody uh, read your Bibles, case. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> read your <laughs> Bible. <laughs> <laughs> we are so glad that um, there's Sermon on the Mount provided a bridge between the people's history by Howard Zinn and POD. We're, we're, glad right. we're, so. we're all grateful. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> and and we, we would love to have you back at some stage. Oh, I'd be glad to. Yeah. I, I really would love to talk um, uh, womanist and Anabaptist understandings of the cross with you at some stage. Sure. I know that you've lifted up First John and teased us with that, so we'd love to yes. come back. So you have yeah. an open invitation anytime. Um, that, that'd be a lot of fun. I yeah. would love to, and you know, I'll make sure that I, I don't schedule a, a lock a lock twisting appointment. Um, <laughs> the full transparency, like. <laughs> You know, so close, so close to, to this conversation. It's, you know, some people will know it's rough out here. I haven't seen my lactation hey. since hey. early 2020. I'm like, I'm going in with two masks and a face shield and, you know, <laughs> hospital grade hand, hand wipes, you know, hand sanitizer. I'm praying to the Lord that like, I can, I can get there, get her did, get her done and, and come out healthy. So, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll make we'll make a time when I make more time. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank That's you for this time. Great. So could you uh, just pray for us and our guests as we close? Oh sure. You want me to do that? Yeah. You put absolutely. that on the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this, you know what? The Holy Spirit moves because I, I wanted to pray at the beginning of this and I forgot it. And and oh. so I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to be in prayer with you all. Hmm. Okay, to the people who are gathered here and um, listening, Holy God, we come before you saying hallelujah, Lord, hmm. saying thank you, O oh God, for this day and the life that is in our bodies, we say, hallelujah, Lord, we say, mm. thank you. Most merciful God, we just pray in these hard times that we see where you are leading us God, as a people, as church together as your people, as people who are divided, Lord God. Um, we know in this moment that the church and Christianity is in so many ways a site of violence, mm. of white supremacy, God, um, and this, this is, it shouldn't be so. 
And so, Lord God, I ask for your continued revealing, for your uncovering, oh Lord God, for courage, dear God, to be the kinds of people in this world that you would have us be. Modeled, oh Lord God, after your offspring, in Jesus, after the witness to who you are in the world, oh God, and who you call us to be. Broaden our imaginations, God. Help us to trust and to be faithful and to find others with whom we can be faithful. Help us to do your will. We just ask these things in the name of Jesus, Lord. Mm -hmm. our clearest understanding of you. Hmm. Guide us with your Holy Spirit yes. and deliver us. Hmm. Amen. 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 Thank you, dear sister. Yeah. Mm. So good. So good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you both. Ah, ah. I'm making a Corona victory tour, so somebody's <laughs> gonna have to save up some money for me to come to Australia. Come on. Have to figure out how to <laughs> come and hang out with Drew. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna send you a, a photo um, of my gorgeous little baby that you can come yeah. and hold. Um, uh, th there's another reason to come visit. Oh, fantastic. Yes, I love it. But but you go do your lock thing. Yes, yeah. I got to get my hair did, y'all. She don't play no games. I got to be there on time. <laughs> All right, Thanks, everybody. Akisha. Appreciate Take it. Take good care. Yeah, thank Have you. Blessed day. See you and soon. Blessed night. You Bye. too. Bye. The Inverse Podcast is proudly supported by you, the listener. And if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse.